All right. Well, basically, as I sent this one text to, to uh, Russell about how I got to thinking about, you know, when God pronounces a curse, if you will, or as we know from Deuteronomy, blessings and curses that would come upon us for disobedience, I got to thinking about those things and, you know, asking myself, are we already under? You know, we had a couple of hundred years from, let's say, 1500 until 1780, so that was nearly, you know, 1490 to 1780 was a couple of hundred years that we were predominantly operating by the Word of God. And then in 1789, something changed, and that was that we we asked for a king. Um, we r- removed ourselves from one king, declared an independence from him, had a battle cry that said, no king but King Jesus, but then we erected ourselves a king, a king called a constitution. And nowhere in that constitution are there really any biblical laws uh, or any biblical references. And so it started me again, once again, thinking, you know, are we already under a curse that God has pronounced upon us that he did back at Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal? And so that's just kind of where my thinking was here this, this last week as I you know, contemplated several different things. And um, Isaac had a question. Well, he didn't really have a question. We got off on a subject of of who the Jews are in Scripture um, and and how badly that is uh, misunderstood or how bad the understandings are regarding the terminology of the word. And so it was... uh, uh, I asked Isaac, I said, well, if that's something that you want to take up at some time in the future, do we do it in one week? Do we do it in two weeks or four weeks? And so I think that that's something that that uh, all of us could use a recap on and a clarification and that we could get into some study here in the next couple of weeks uh, about the word Jew as used in our scriptures today and uh, so those two things, I guess, are a couple things that, uh, you know, uh, we could begin to have some discussion on. So I'll throw it out to you men as well and see what anybody else was thinking about. And Russell, will carry your thought now, and then we'll uh, open up the door here. Okay. Can you hear me okay? Hearing you good. Okay. In uh, Matthew uh, 28, um, starting at 11, we read the story about a conspiracy. And um, what I wanted us to take into consideration is what's going on now in our government. We, we see people hollering at hearings. We see people marching. And in verse 12, we see... Uh, I'll just read it. And when they had assembled with the elders and council together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. And they said to the soldiers, here is your script. His disciples came by night and sold him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ear, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. Now, what does that make? It calls them soldiers. 
it makes them whores, doesn't it? Or uh, at the very least, dishonest. Uh, but it also turns them into actors, and actors portray a part, and it's not the reality. They're, they're characters in a play. So I was thinking about people like Lindsey Graham and people that holler at hearing and I came to the conclusion that somebody is behind the curtain paying these people to do all these things. And they're very powerful people. But the ones that we see, of course, are just like these soldiers. And also I wanted to, I mean, this is old stuff for us, but just kind of revisiting, revisiting the power of money. The power of money to to make somebody tell a lie and slander somebody to death. Think of that power. Well, and I'll 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 add this. And when they were assembled with the, who's it say, Jeremiah? What? I said, what? Well, who does it say? And when they were assembled with thee, and I said, who does it say? It says the elders, as Rich said. Elders. Yep, mm-hmm. they assembled with the elders. And so what does that make the elders in Russell's scenario there that he's laying out? He said that the soldiers are like whores or prostitutes taking money. But what about the elders? What does it say about the elders? Isn't that they agreed to disseminate fake news? <laughs> yes, and also back up to 11, <laughs> the guards came in and reported. They're reporters. The chief priest. The chief priest would be the highest religious figure in the land, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so here's my point. There are people saying that you don't dare, you don't dare question the FBI. They're the highest law keepers in the land. Or the Supreme Court. You don't dare question this integrity. Well, they all went to Yale. Who, what the hell is Yale? Somebody tell me what. Well, I care if somebody came from uh, Dallas Baptist School of Law in Yale. Who decided that Yale was this inner sanctum of justice? Because if we look at what it's produced, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and a whole pile of fecal crap, uh, why would I... Yale is the last place I would want my nominee to come from. So you see here, I just, it struck me as I read this, I was thinking about the soldiers and like you said, the the elders and and just how how corrupt it is at the top, especially at the top. They always yeah. want to pretend yeah. like it's down at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're the ones that got it all wrong, aren't we? <laughs> we're yeah. the ones that aren't don't 
don't understand the gravity of the situation. <laughs> yeah. And and finish this off with verse 20. Again, and I want to reiterate, Jesus commissioned us and said, teach them, talking about these converted, these disciples or these Israelites, all that I commanded you and... Um, and I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. So that's a yeah. do word, isn't it? That is a do, a do word. Yeah, and he's saying, do something. And, oh, yeah, I'll be there right with you to the very end. So that's encouraging, isn't it? Yeah. When we go out to do something. Amen. And, you know, you you made a point today when we spoke earlier, just as we both had a lot of animation in our thoughts, uh, you made the point about uh, we have a lot of power, a, a lot of power that we haven't even begun to even pour out of the symbol, much less pour out of the ox cart. Mm-hmm. And I that's powerful. That. You know, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I, I I can only attribute it to cowardness or trepidation or unsurety or weakness or principally, it's I think, a- we forget that last part where he said, I'm with you always. We forget that. That yeah. is our battery charger. Yeah, it, it's 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 a fear of man. It is a misplaced fear. Just as we read in Galatians six before we started the recording, is that um, let's let's turn over there again, uh, Galatians uh, chapter six, and we're going to begin at verse. Uh, um, is that where I was? Oh, I'm in Ephesians. I must have flipped back as I grabbed some pages there. Uh, Galatians 6, 6.1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Okay, what this is talking about is this very thing that when we abide with the Father and in the will of the Father through the Son, when we abide in that, um, if one of us is to stumble or to be found in a fault, we're supposed to restore that one. We're supposed to get that one back on track in a spirit of meekness, understanding that our ourselves we could fall prey to whatever carnal Um, activity occurred that drew us away from the obedience to Christ. So he says, bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. So if we love one another and in Christ Jesus, then we would want nothing to harm that one. We want nothing to carry that one away. And 
I was lamenting to to Russell in a phone conversation. I said, you know, I find myself sometimes preparing messages and stuff, and this one on the Jews, I'll admit, I found myself going through some notes that I had written for a message and preparing to add some more thoughts to it. And, And the more I was dealing with it, I literally stopped, and I felt just total animus for even wanting to continue because I said to myself, this is so preposterous that here we are in today's day and age that I should have to visit this stupid, ridiculous argument about Jews. That, and, and I did. I got very frustrated and said to myself, I don't even want to entertain it anymore. I'm tired of it. But at the same time, I recognize this thing right here, bear one another's burdens. We have a lot of people who are being misled and deceived simply because of their preconceived beliefs, their preconceived ideas that they keep parroting to our to our people, to our children, to our you know, wherever they wherever we go, we find these these vultures there trying to provide misinformation or information that they themselves have not even taken the slightest bit of time to research. And so while in one sense it makes you frustrated and you want to say, why should I even bother? Because it's like people don't listen to you. They'll go back out there. And everybody listening here to this fellowship tonight, don't anybody take any of this as a condescension, because that's not what it's intended to be. It is trying to share with you my own exasperation at times, wanting to help and to to try to teach and bring truth, only to have people go back. Rich has complained about this with, you know, people that he knows too, and he's like, you know, we tell them and we tell them and we show them, they go right back to this, preacher at this church that they're going or whatever and he fills them full of the same gobbledygook and then you know they you know they they come back with the same you know arguments like a petulant child and they and 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 they reiterate the same things over and will not hear of a matter and so in that sense that's where the spirit takes you know a hold and says you know this is someone who is going to allow the spirit to come in and dwell and that spirit of God is the spirit of truth. And that's where you... Go ahead. You just brought up another point. Chief um, priests were in on the, on the conspiracy. How many times have you heard people say, well, Joe Blow's the... He's the... Uh, He's the head pastor at the First Baptist Church. He would never lie to you. He's a preacher. Yeah, yeah. And here yeah. we have... Liar, of, liar, pants on fire, Pastor Peters. Yeah. yeah you, we have this explicit account of a lying preacher or a group of lying religious zealots or leadership. Not to digress, so let's, think, thinking while you talk. All right, so then it goes on and says, 
For if a man, I'm in verse 3 of 6, Galatians, for if a man thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So, in this scripture in Galatians, many will not see what I tried to convey at the start of the, the fellowship here, which is, Disobedience has consequences. And in this scripture here, many people will not see this as a consequence scripture or a disobedience and consequence scripture, just as the one in Matthew that Russell laid out. Disobedience and consequence. Just as I mentioned about the, the fig tree that Christ, which was emblematic of uh, Oh, it's something All right. Yeah, hold on, hold on. Uh, J.D., if you're able to hear me, I have muted you on my end. Uh, you had quite a bit of noise on your line, so if you're able to hear me, just know that I have you currently muted. Um, we're going to go forward with a few more things. I'll open your mic back up here in a few minutes. But that, I think, is kind of what I'm trying to convey about so much of this when when we see what's going on in our country and we lament it, we fail to recognize, I think, that we are under that curse. We're under those curses that God pronounced. When 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 six sons stood on one side on Mount Gerizim and six sons stood on the other side, uh, Ebal, they pronounced a maledictory curse back and forth to each other. A maledictory, a maledictory curse is, or a maledictory oath is an oath that you take, for example, when you swear uh, uh, upon a, uh, the Bible to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. One thing that you could add to that, besides, so help me God, let the curse of God be upon me. And that's that's essentially what those people in Judea did on that very day when they say, let his blood be upon us. And Christ responded by saying, upon you shall all the blood shed from, from uh, righteous Abel to Zacharias will be laid upon you. And that... A maledictory oath or a maledictory curse is what God did, is he had our tribes of Israel 
profess from one side of the mountain to the other side of the mountain, calling across a chasm of a valley and saying, we agree to be blessed, and if we don't, we agree to be cursed. And where do you find that in any of the churches out there today? Well, I guess J.D. is going to try to get another line because he dumped out, so um, uh, I don't know. Um, I'll, there he is. I feel... All right, J.D., you still got a lot of noise on your line. I had to mute you again. Go ahead, Russell. Uh, the scripture says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Amen. Okay. In the Webster Dictionary, I just want to read you some definitions of mock. Properly, literally means to imitate. It comes from the same word we get, mime. To imitate in contempt or derision. To mimic for the sake of creation. To deride by mimicry. To laugh at, to ridicule. To defeat. To elude. To disappoint or to deceive. To fool, to tantalize. To make sport and contempt in jest or speak jestingly, ridicule, sneer, false, counterfeit, assumed. God is not counterfeited. He's not ridiculed. He's truth. That that uh, I didn't realize. Mock had all those definitions. Yeah, it's fairly significant. Yeah. Well, I I got one for you. Said that the first pastor over there at that church wouldn't lie to you, right? Yeah. Well, let's go to the poop of the Catholic Church. Yeah. Following, Following weeks of pressure for Pope Francis to respond to the accusations that he played a role in the cover-up of the Catholic Church pedophile ring, the pontiff finally spoke up on the scandal by referring to the victims of abuse as a pack of wild dogs. During the Mass at the Vatican's Sancte Marte guest house, the Pope raised the issue by likening, likening the latest child abuse scandal to a biblical story where Jesus is driven out of town by a pack of wild dogs. Now, I don't remember that one. You guys let me know if you do. Um, (laughs) While advising the clergy members on how to handle the current wave of accusations, Francis said victims who make allegations against abusive priests seek only division and destruction. And like the dogs from the story are shouting without reason, Francis then advised the Vatican officials to remain silent on the scandals, saying that the Lord, that he asked the Lord for grace to discern whether it's better to speak or to remain quiet. And Jesus told him that the answer is silence and prayer. With people who do not have goodwill, with people who seek only scandal, 
who seek only division, who only seek destruction even within families, the answer is silence and prayer. May the Lord give us the grace to discern when we must speak and when we must be silent and to do all the life and work at home in the society to become more closely imitators of Jesus Christ. He said at the Vatican, St. Dimasse, on September 3rd. Wow. Now, would you guys remember that story? Yeah, the uh, the the pack of wild dogs uh, driving driving away. Uh, that one is is really. I'm trying, but I can't quite put my finger on that. You haven't really thought it through, have you? That's a famous story where Jesus was driven out of town by a pack of wild dogs. <laughs> Amazing. I think Russell's breaking up. Is it was that Russell? No, I don't know. Sounds sounds like now I've got reverb on my line. But uh JD, good evening. We uh we found a lot of noise on your line. We had to mute you a couple times. Are you are you there now? Yeah, yeah, I'm there. I'm here. I just, uh, there's some fans going. That's all it is. You know that right, thing well, that uh, the uh, that was just read about the Pope, uh, what he said about the pedophile thing? That's just, uh, isn't that just a convenient thing to deflect away from addressing the issue? But more people let him get away well, with it. Well, in one of the quotes that I heard, um, he made some comment about uh, about the victims, and, and he now I don't know. I'm getting feedback. Well, I don't let, know. Let me make, make, make. All right, go ahead. Harvey uh, Weinstein said he was completely innocent. Prison is full of people that think they never did a thing. Yeah, they, the Pope and all those people, they, they know, they know what they did. I mean, I, you're right about that, about the people in prison thinking they never did a thing. But this is just, this is just, you know, evil incarnate. And you want to know something? Here's, here's my take on this. I don't know if people have heard this. It's probably pretty commonsensical. But um, I think the reason why these scumbags love the pedophilia and the molestation so much is because not only does their their God, little G God, love it, the reason why he loves it is is quite simple. It destroys individuals, but it also sets time bombs out in society uh, that are just waiting to blow up. And what I'm talking about is like, one out of four little girls and one out of six little boys are molested. And when these people, I mean, that's where all the homosexuality comes from, in my opinion. I've always just been a curious person, never understood, you know, when I was younger about why would anybody, you know, want to be homosexual. I just assumed that it was, um, you know, they were born that way, like a lot of people are told. 
oh, they're just born that way. No, it's sexual molestation. But for whatever reason, the, the brain wants to recreate the trauma. And I don't understand why that is. But, but, uh, but so when these girls go out and get married or something and have children, then the, the smallest thing, I think, can blow it up, and it makes it for a very unstable marriage because the individual is damaged inside. Which I don't think, I mean, I think it can be healed, you know, because like the scriptures say, with God all is all things are possible. But the same thing with men. Uh, you know, the, the molestation puts these, the, these individuals in a bad place and puts these time bombs that are just waiting to blow up families in society. And the, the nuclear family is the building block of uh, civilization. And uh, I think that's why these people thrive on it, because they seek to break down and make civilization weak, because it makes it more easy for them to control. And that's it in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. And I have had the discussion about that, too, because we've had people say to us, well, they're born that way. And and we go, no, no. Um, And she's, she's a pretty convinced that it's because of molestation as well. In and so back to the whole issue of why it's being done, it's being done because they are perverted. The the people that are doing it are perverted. And um so so again it's disobedience and it reminds me and I'm gonna probably hang up and try to call back in and see if I can get rid of this feedback or reverb because I don't know where it's coming back. Uh, uh, what I was going to say is that I can't even do it. I'll call back. Go ahead, somebody. Okay, I want to know if any of you guys are familiar with that Bible story about the pack of dogs chasing Jesus out of town. No, I'm not familiar with it. No, go ahead. Tell us. Well, I don't know. That was from the Pope. He told the story. Maybe he's got it mixed up with the pigs going over the cliff, but I don't know. Yeah, it could the be. Pigs weren't chasing Jesus either. I don't remember any story of the dogs chasing Jesus. Yep, pack of dogs chasing Jesus. You want to know something, you guys? What What do you guys think about this? This, you know, I, I know a lot of people are kind of averse to this subject, but I think it really is central to uh, discussing any of these matters. Which is this issue of uh, some people might refer to it as the J question, the Jew question, because all these scumbags, whether they're popes or Ignatius Loyola, you know, the founder of the Jesuits and uh, you know all these scumbags. Wherever you got evil in the on the earth and any of the various areas of uh, of our modern society today, with the legal system, the medical system, the entertainment media, the news media, the commercial banking, the central banking, the highest levels of government. You got these frickin' vermin, these serpent seed that were always referred to as a serpent seed back in the day. The people that we call Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan and they do lie. I mean, wherever you've got 
some ugly evil throughout history. It seems to me you got like a Winston Churchill whose, uh, you know, grandmother was a Jewess, and you know Stalin, uh, you know, oh, who was the all these evil people? They've got this Jew uh, blood in them, and I think well, the, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of good ones. I mean. You know, like Chuck Schumer and Feinstein. I mean, there's there's some good ones if you really dig. Yes, yes, but what I am saying, well, I mean, okay, I I, um, get a lot of things from my gut, kind of like the intuition. And, um, of course, I'm always trying to research and look into things. And you judge a, a source, you know, by its fruits. Uh, different people, different, you know, blogs and so forth. And so, um, you know, I had heard about this, and then the original words in the Hebrew from uh, from what I got from Dr. James Wickstrom, may he rest in peace, guy that was up here in Linwood, Michigan, and then also the Zen Garcia, who's you know, has a show on truthfrequencyradio.com, and others, they're saying the original words in Hebrew in the scriptures said that, like where it talks about Eve getting beguiled by the serpent, there, there's original Hebrew words which mean to lie with, like in terms of a sexual intercourse sense. And so that I'm going to mute you, all right? Now, you're going all over the board here, all right? So let's get to control here and, you know, have a conversation go somewhere. Let's not just jump and leapfrog all over the place in these things. I'm not going to entertain uh, this sea-flying doctrine straight out of the pit of the Jews um, because just because this is this what I guess some of the people think uh, you know feels good we we were discussing disobedience and I, I want to bring to our our mind a scripture out of Matthew 23 that sums this up and I've still got this reverb going on, so I don't know where it's coming from or how it's doing. It. But anyhow, Matthew twenty-three. Um, Matthew twenty-three. Let's just read it all. Let's begin at verse five. Uh, but all their works are for to be seen of men. They make broad their factories, enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the uppermost rooms at the feast and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the market and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all you are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. Now, the point I'm trying to get to, woe unto your scribes and Pharisees, verse 13 you hypocrites, you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer you them that are entering to go in. That is very, very important. If you want to stop the blessings of God from flowing to a people, one of the first things you want to do is shut the door. Because if you don't shut the door, 
I've still got feedback on JD's line there a little bit. JD, if you can uh, mute your phone or something for right now. But he's telling us that they're shutting the door against them, and they're they're those that want to go in, they're not allowing them to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayer, therefore you shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto the scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you compass sea and land and make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. When you think of what's going on with this pedophilia stuff, and that is a disobedience, so I'm I'm willing to let this dovetail into the conversation here on disobedience, because it is a disobedience that Rich brought up with this perversion going on in the Catholic Church. And um, the justification that is in his own speech uh, to the rest of his people is basically, hey, don't worry about it. We got this covered. God does not see God does not care. God really cares about the ravenous dogs that are nipping at our heels while we're out here doing all these great works with our Catholic schools, with our Catholic charities, and all this and all that, and they are not obedient to the law. And they are making them twofold more the child of hell than themselves. And what a child of hell is, is a child of death. It is a child who's going to die. He is not going to see salvation from those sins because he's going to die, because he's not going to repent of those sins, because he is not being taught to repent of the sins in the manner in which God desires one to repent. The Catholic Church says, you come to me, you tell me what you did, and I'll say some Hail Marys for you, and you go out the door a free man. That ain't the way that it is. So that's what's going on with the pedophilia and so forth, is they are making twofold more child of hell than themselves. And we are in a war, as Russell spoke to me today about that again. We are in a war. And it's high time the Christians realize they're in a war. And I know that those of us here tonight understand this. And don't misunderstand my animation, my tone of voice, or anything else. But if we're going to win this war, there has to be a repentance. If you look through these scriptures and can find me any other way besides repentance and turning from our wicked ways as a people, it's not enough to just turn from our ways as individuals. That's one part of it. But we have a responsibility and a duty to all Israel nations to keep them in line with the will of the Father, and that is to be that blessing to the world that we are commissioned to be, to bring about righteousness within the creation. And so far, we're about as unrighteous as a nation, and yet we want to make twofold more sons of hell all over this creation uh, as well by teaching them our foulness whether it's a constitution and usurious systems and debt systems, all the things that you mentioned, J.D. And so our obligation and our responsibility right now is to continue to look to the Word in what it is that 
our responsibility is, as we engage everyday life, to teach one another and to continue to sharpen ourselves in knowing and understanding. And so this okay. issue of the Jews, it's interesting you bring that up, J.D., because that's one of the things we brought up, too. It's a subject that our people still are not fully engaged on and are not fully understood. Now, I don't claim to know all, but I will give you every piece of this truth that I have researched and uncovered and so forth from my end as well. And it's our duty and our responsibility. I've heard the Wickstrom stuff. I listen to these guys talk about the seed line doctrine. And I'm telling you, there are seed liners and there are closet seed liners. And if we're going to have any success at all, we're going to have to get some of these things ironed out so that we can go forth in truth. But some of these things are straight out of the pit of hell. And people are listening to them and people are glomming onto them as if they are some sacred, you know, information that is gleaned from some Kabbalistic doctrine and document that they've gleaned from somewhere and drug up from somewhere. My Bible says there are two. There is a spirit of evil and a spirit of wicked, a spirit of wickedness and evil, and a spirit of truth and righteousness. Those are the two spirits. And we'd better get it figured out that those... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say we were talking earlier about conditions. Verse 39 of what you were reading in 23, very interesting passage. And I'm assuming this is Jesus talking, and he says, For I say to you, now on, you shall not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So, talking about understanding. Well, well, um, let's back up. Let's back up. Let's back up, Russell, because the context here is the very thing that we also started out with, which was the fig. He says in 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killed the prophets and stoned them which are sent unto thee, how often would have I gathered thy children together even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings? And you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Jerusalem, their house, was going to be left unto them desolate. It was a maledictory purse, curse pronounced right upon Jerusalem, Jerusalem. That's the context of that. Yes, it is the context, but here we see that if you if you say this, then you could possibly be able to see or understand. Absolutely. When you yeah. get when you when you grasp that this guy comes in the name of the Lord, now you're in a position to start to understand what's going on. That's that's all I was going to say, and I'm going to have to sign off. And uh, I wish all the best. Um, well, hey man, and let's have a 
Russell's going to be getting up pretty early for a trip, and so let's uh, let's have a little uh, prayer here now uh, for all of you men here, and, and we'll send Russell on his way. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to fellowship with these men. I, I truly do. It's a blessing. It really is. It warms my spirit every time when I'm able to do this with uh, the men. And so, Father, we thank you for that opportunity and the technology that makes it possible. Father, again, lead us in truth, all truth. Guide us in your way and your will. And, Father, we know you've given us this roadmap here with the, the word. And, Father, let us build upon that and let us delve into that and let us return to that. And, Father, I pray for your blessing upon Russell and his travel and, and the family and those that will be left behind to, to do the work that, uh, that their business is. So, Father, we just ask for that. And, Father, I've got a young couple that has uh, contacted Matthew, and, and he's contacted us. Um, they're preparing to, uh, to give vows and to one another. They want to uh, do it in, in, in righteousness and truth. And so, Father, I pray for your blessing upon that union. And if it is the will and the desire for you that, that they come and uh, be brought together in matrimony through identity men such as ourselves that understand the biblical identity of your people and Israel and certainly that understand your truth and the gospel. And uh, that when we bring a union together uh, under Christ, it is not to be brought apart by any other man. So, Father, I put that in prayer also and ask for your continued blessing on all these children that have been born in your household here recently, the family of God. We just ask it. We pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week. All right. Sounds good, Russell. Good night. Good night. Well, um, Rich, where do you want to go with uh, what you uh, started out there with that whole uh, pedophilia thing? You got anything else you want to come and draw us our attention to scripturally or where we want to go next? Well, I'm still looking for where the dogs chase Jesus out of town. I can't All find right. it anywhere. Can't find it anywhere. Yeah. Uh, well, but you know, as we know were the in, Bible, wouldn't he? yeah, you know, as we we're in 23, I just dropped my eyes down into chapter 24, and and of course 24 is all about uh, signs of the end, you know, uh, and we're told right there by Christ, take heed that no man deceive you, um, and there are many that are coming in the name of Christ, saying that uh, that Christ is Christ. Uh, they are certainly telling us uh, that Christ is Christ, and and they are certainly professing Christ, but um, uh, they are deceiving many, as the Scripture says. Many shall come in my name, saying, you know, that He is the Christ, and they shall deceive many. And uh, you know, we are, you know, we are lamenting those conditions in our country. And uh, um, our our people are unable because their preachers tell them that God looks the other way upon our sin. 
I mean, that's essentially what's happening if we cannot come to grips with the things which are destroying us and those whom we have allowed in amongst us to make twofold more child of hell than themselves because we will not have God's word to reign over us. So, anyhow, um, and I know, Isaac, you're probably wondering, I know you're You've muted your own mic. Um, you're probably wondering. Uh, maybe you want to bring some things to the table tonight to open the door on the issue of uh, Jewish understanding or the the term Jew is used in the Bible. Uh, and if you want to, you know, begin a process of that, maybe we can lay some groundwork here this evening and then pick it up in the weeks to come. So um, I haven't heard from you, so I'll let you open the door on some of your thoughts this evening as well. Oh, uh, sure. Uh, let's see. Well, I guess where I've been at, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, uh, there's a lot of feedback there, huh? Uh, well, I'm not, I'm not experiencing it on, on my end right now, but you are on your end now? Uh, let me, yeah, I'll try again. Let's see if it works out. Um, where I've been at on that issue in the past, you know, as I've spent some time uh, studying it, and I suppose I, and, and so I think that I have a decent understanding of the whole issue and or, or of the main issue, um, and I kind of left it sort of unconcluded, I suppose, like not making a solid conclusion one way or another, but um, recognizing that you know that the identity message. Uh, might might be the truth of the matter or part of the truth at least um so that's kind of where i'm coming at it from and then since we talked the other night you know i've spent at least a few hours uh since then kind of digging into it and trying to spend some time getting ready for our upcoming discussions and you know i've got i've got questions there one of the things for example uh was uh, when Jesus was was in the temple when he was talking to the uh, the uh, Sadducees and the Pharisees, and he was kind of laying into those guys pretty well. And and you mentioned it earlier, but he Jesus says that they they admitted to being the uh, the children of the people that uh, that that murdered the prophets, right? Yes. Um, and the prophets that were, so then what? I, my question in that particular area is that the prophets that are mentioned are uh, Abel and Zacharias. And if it's the same, if it's, it's the Abel, Abel and Cain, uh, Abel was murdered by Cain, right? So yes. So Cain was not not part of Edom because Edom didn't exist at that point, right? Cain. Uh, Cain, yeah. Yes. Yes, I would agree. I would agree with that statement. That would be correct. So, uh, and that, so, so that's one thing I was wondering about or look, looking into, and I'm intending to look into it further. Um, 
And then uh, Zacharias, my understanding, looking into that a little bit, was that the last name, uh, Zacharias' last name, uh, that's mentioned in the New Testament is the first time that last name is mentioned. Uh, but then, who is it, Luke? Uh, mentions the same the same episode in the temple, but he doesn't use that last name. He doesn't apply a last name. So, uh, if it's the correct Zacharias, because I think there are two or three of them throughout throughout the Bible, he was murdered in. He was a prophet. He was murdered in the temple. Um, and and I I couldn't get any information further about who would have been in the, if, if somebody that was not supposed to be in the temple would have been in the temple uh, and committed that murder or if it was somebody that was supposed to be in there. You know what I mean? So like like an Edomite or uh, was it one of the descendants of Jacob, etc. So those are kind of a couple of things that I'm looking into um, okay. so far. Well, and and some of the things that I began to do with, as I mentioned to you when uh, we spoke uh, this week as well, that I had begun uh, some notes uh, about the term Israel, Judah, and Jew, and was going to try to do my part, if you will, to um, in the best way that I'm able to and through the resources and gleaning so forth. And uh, uh, so the first thing that I did was review some of the notes that I had done previously that I have not converted into an actual message yet. And um, I began to just read through those. And I started with something that I always do. And one of the things that I always try to do is I want to, first of all, the word Jew is something that we need to have an understanding of. So by going to that word Jew as it's first used in the King James Bible is at 2 Kings 16.6. And when you look that word up, it is um, Strong's, uh, in the Hebrew and Chaldee Dictionary, number 3064, and the word is Yehudi. Yehudi. It means Judahite or descendant of Judah. So that was the first thing, and that was one of the first things that began my trek in feeling confident, just as you said, you're, you've had this this you know this uh, the spirit of going back and forth with certain information that you've had and certain information that's been given to you by others or anything else, and so you've meshed the two together and and since you probably couldn't find a conclusion that you know seemed satisfactory you know in in total you set the you set the issue aside for a while. And that's what I often sometimes do, you know, is that sometimes i got to set it aside and let the Spirit of the Lord, you know, kind of work with me. And it's amazing how he leads you and guides you into something else that begins to, you know, clarify something somewhere else. And it may be something that you, you, you know, previously was totally unrelated or you thought was unrelated. Um, and I'm just going to give a quick recap back to your scenario about 
these murders that you spoke about and and Christ saying, well, then you'll be you'll be responsible. When we read that scripture, we understand that what Christ is saying to them, then by all means, if you if you are going to claim the things that you claim, and you're going to do the things that you do and act out in the way you act, a lot of times God speaks metaphorically. And so what we have, I think, in that instance, and we can get into it as we get through the study on the term Jew and so forth, and we can revisit that. But I look at it and I say, he is metaphorically saying, okay, all the blood from righteous Abel to you is going to be, to Zacharias is going to be attached to you because you have asked for it because you will not repent of the sin. You are basically teaching people and destroying people, keeping them from entering entering in through the gate, entering in through the door. So that was one of the first things. Now quickly as I go back to Yehudi as translated there at 2 Kings, when I see that translation and I see the definition and it says it means a Judahite and or a descendant of Judah, that's what the word Yehudi means. Well, now that has a whole new concept in our minds than what we are being taught to believe just the word Jew means, if you will. And so I find myself going, okay, all right, now I get it. This is a Judahite. So now there may even be people who call themselves Jews that are Judahites. Now I've also entered something into the equation that leads me or provides me opportunity to also research and study who, if any of these people who call themselves Jews, are actual Judahites, in other words, of Judah. And since, again, I recall Christ saying, and I recall John the Baptist saying, you know, don't think that you have to Abraham to your fathers, because God can raise up stones unto Abraham. And then Christ reiterated in a similar fashion and said, think not that you have Abraham to your father. You seek to kill me. And they say, you know, or in the other in the other uh, instance, he says, uh, let's see, how did he say that? He said, uh, don't think not that you have Abraham to your father. Um, uh, let's see, oh, where, where was I? What was the thought I had on that? Uh, anybody catching my drift? Um, uh, he says, uh, think not that you have Abraham to your father. Um, uh, oh, that was when Christ said, uh, they said to Christ, well, we be not fornicators. So that was another instance. So there's two or three instances that we can then go to in Scripture too, eventually, and try to reconcile all of those things too um, okay. by as we continue a study on that. But the one thing I wanted to come back to is that I researched out of four different translations of the uh, Bible, Moffat translation, 2 Kings 16.6. They used uh, the word Yehudi, which is as Judahite, as Judah. 
or Judean. Uh, the Jerusalem Bible uses uh, men at Judah, men at Judah, and as Judeans in 2 Kings uh, 25, 25, and Jeremiah 40, 40, 11. Uh, the Farrar-Fenton translation translates it as Judeans, 2 Kings 25, 25, as Hebrew, and in Jeremiah 34, 9, as uh that was the Hebrew. Uh, he, they translated as Hebrew in Jeremiah 34:9, and as Judea in Jeremiah 40:15. And the Rotherham translation translates it as Judah at as at, at Jer, Jeremiah 40:15. So there was four or five significant proof texts of some of the earlier translations of the Bibles um, that properly translated the word Yehudi meaning a Judahite, descendant of Judah, Judean, uh, and and that reference. Now that that means something entirely, gives us some entirely new perspective just by defining the word. Right, right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I think I've, I've been in ahead. agreement for, I, I think I've been in agreement, you know, for as long as, from, from since the first time that I started looking at the issues, that yeah, it does. It definitely seems like like the word Jew, as used in the New Testament, is incorrectly applied throughout the, the remainder of history. Since since then, uh, it's used way 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 too liberally, uh, and I, I definitely agree uh, on that point. Uh, if I'm representing your own point. Yeah, well, and, and and what I what I think is that we have to all get better at it. It's not enough to just throw these these things out there. We have to be better at clarifying and trying to teach that proper understanding. Now, we will get lots of shove-offs and lots of people that won't want to hear the matter. And as I say, that's kind of the frustration that I felt myself going through is like, my word, you know, it is so plain just by just beginning to take the first principal steps that one should do in study, and that is define a word. And then after defining a word, use the word in the proper context. And then after putting it in the proper context, seeing if there's, you know, double or triple witnesses or clarifications and so forth. And then, you know, drawing upon secular sources as well as biblical sources and and seeing, you know, where where there's a discrepancy or how we can, you know, better clarify it. And it's my belief that the more we try to do those things, the better off we are individually and responsible, as Galatians 6 says, and and we are fully in command and fully in control of what God is expecting of us, and that is to, to carry out and carry forth and be responsible with that which we have and that which he's given, you know. And so... Yeah, these are just some preliminary steps. So, I mean, I think there's a lot more that that we should do in a you know in a study over the you know the course of some some fellowships to bring out 
more of our understandings and how the word is properly translated and properly used. And see, I, I'm of this same thing where we cast this broad blanket over the Jews and we say, well, it's all the Jews. And I used to get so frustrated, and you know this, because I used to say, you know, it's always the Jews' problems. You know, it's the Jews' problems because of the money system. No, it's our problem because we allow them to do something that God has told us not to do, not for right. any other reason that it's destructive to us, you know. Right. And so we, at the same time, don't want to take this word Jew and cast a big blanket over it and not recognize that the term can definitely and does definitely apply to Judahites alive and living in Jerusalem and the land of Judea during the time of Christ. But then we'll get into the part of it that says he specifically told them, you stop doing, you repent, you turn. Some of those Judahites did turn. But if they're still professing Judaism, the religion of the Jews today, then they have not fully accepted Christ. And that blood is going to continue upon them, and that curse is going to continue on them, which is kind of where we started this fellowship tonight, was me thinking about the curse, the curse of God that he pronounces upon us in disobedience. And so I think then, you know, we'll get to more issues. This this word will open up a lot of doors in the scripture to us, and it will illuminate in our minds, and upon a proper conclusion of it, I should think we would all be better for it and be better capable of carrying our argument to its proper conclusion and end. Otherwise, we're just parroting the talking points that somebody else has been parroting for the last 25 or 40 or 140 years, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and I know that uh, a lot of you guys have dug into this so deeply, you know, and spent far more time time on it than I than I have. Uh, so, but, but if anyone is listening uh, and they can get something out of it, uh, great. Well, I think that everybody will because, as I say, I don't believe that any one of us has got everything so wrapped up. Yes, we might have a, a better concept and a grasp of of Israel, and as a result, you know, are firmly, you know, believing that the Israel of the Bible are clearly those people which have all the signs and the emblems of it. Um, but that does not mean that we're all fully capable of articulating what a Jew is or is not, and uh, and quite frankly, it needs to be corrected and rectified for for all of us. So I don't think anybody would feel like it would it would not be fruitful. Uh, I think it'll be very beneficial, and and I'm willing to do it and willing to take it on, and uh, so. What I'm going to do here now is open the door and say to everybody here tonight fellowshipping, what you need to do now is let's put our thinking caps on over the next series of weeks and let's pull everything that we can together 
regarding our understandings of the word Jew, the various usages over time in the scriptures, to the completed text of the of the the New Testament, and um, you know try to put them together in some cohesive ways, and um, and draw upon all the resources that you can draw upon. And when we draw upon a resource, we should clarify the resource we're drawing upon so that we can give it proper credit, number one, and we can also properly determine whether it's credible as a source or a proof text that we that we want to use. Because the last thing we should want to use is improper proof text. But there's a lot of work that's been done by a lot of people on this subject over the years, and I don't think that information should just be disregarded. I do believe that what we should do is always couch everything upon as much from the Bible as we can and make as many clarifications scripturally as we go along. And then we will find that those other sources will become less and less relevant because we will have enough proof through the biblical record. And I'm firmly convinced of that, that, that we will. But one thing I do want to say also is in Scripture, it is important for us to understand something. And I'm going to give this analogy. New Testament Christians, for example, the record of New Testament Christians ends at the letters of the apostles in our New Testament. My point is, is that just because it ends there in the New Testament, does that not mean that those apostles did not go on to do different things? And the answer, of course, is yes. And the answer, of course, is outside of the Bible. So recognizing that there are sources outside and sources inside is a key recognition and all we have to do is look to the prophets. Just because Paul spoke in Rome or just because another spoke in another location or um, you know, um, James spoke to the, um, uh, to the Galatians, uh, no, who was I thinking about? James, uh, well, James's letter was to the 12 tribes dispersed abroad. So all those things considered, we have to believe that James went somewhere else besides just writing this one book that's been recorded. And so there are some outside sources that, that we, can pre- we can glean information from, even though the record seemingly stops within the record of the Bible. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good point. Go ahead, Rich. Go, I'll get you. I uh, just a moment. Go ahead, Rich. If you're looking for sources to do some research, you can download the book. Uh, it's a, a remake of uh, Elizabeth Dilling's The Plot Against Christianity. And it's about okay. 175 pages you can download for free on the Internet. I think you can get a zip file on it. If you go through that, that's going to give them a lot of basis of um, where to start. Yeah, Isaac, I think you'll remember that book. It was a it was a green paperback book. You you may I don't know, but it's what Rich said was Elizabeth Dillings, 
uh, Elizabeth okay. Dillings or Dillingsworth, Rich? Dillingsworth? I think it's uh, Dillings. Yeah, here, I got it right here, too. Uh, yeah, Dilling, D-I-L-L-I-N-G. Um, okay, and it's called, it. the plot against, it's called The Plot Against Christianity. You say you think you got that? Uh, I don't know. No, I mean, I understand. Yeah, I've, I've written it down. Oh, so, yeah, I'll make yeah, sure I get a copy Rich, of that. Well, Rich said that you might be able to download that from online. And, yeah, she does. I, I hadn't even thought of that book. I hadn't even pulled that one out. I do keep it here in my office, but I... I hadn't even thought about it until Rich brought it up. But yeah, it's a pretty pretty good source uh, of information. And again, some of the things that are in Elizabeth's book is is quotes from these very people who call themselves Jews today, who say that they know they're not Israel. <laughs> and that's that's one of the most yeah. profound things that they go out there and claim that they're God's chosen people, and then they write to each other, and they write articles and put them in major newspapers and stuff and say, yeah, we know we're not Israel. <laughs> and that's why it gets really frustrating to have people go out there who are trained and learned and scholars and so forth and use that word so flippantly and call everybody a Jew. You know, one thing that I'm going to try to point out in the message that I'm going to be bringing is I'm going to try to bring out the point that Consider this, all of us. Descendants do not name ancestors. You hear people in, in, in Christian circles say, well, Jesus was a Jew. Okay, well, let's say that Jesus is from the line of Judah, which is true. Okay, but the term Jew would be only applicable then to Judah. But they want to say, go further and say that Abraham was a Jew. And they want to say that Isaac was a Jew. Well, how can that be? Because descendants don't name the ancestors. Ancestors name the descendants. Case in point. Abraham's descendants were called, they were from the line of Eber, which uh, was Abraham's father. And they became known as Hebrews. It, there are people who think that Hebrews are some kind of a mixed-skinned people or something. No. It's just a classification, if you will, or a grouping, or um, you know, a name, just as we would call uh, a, a Texan a Texan and an American an American. And so how can Abraham be a Jew when there was no such terminology or usage that ever occurred until some 600 years after the death of Abraham. And likewise, you cannot say the same for Isaac and, and Jacob. Jacob's descendants were called Israel. They weren't called Jews. They were called Israel. And so that's another very important distinction that I think I'm going to spend some time trying to, you know, get into our minds is that, you know, when it's called Sons of Neil, which apparently when we came over to America, they could not, apparently, whoever was at the, at the you know, uh, wherever the migrants came in, my dad tells me that our name was actually Nielsen. But some guy couldn't spell or pronounce Nielsen or something, and it got pronounced Nelson 
well, we were actually sons of Neil. We were Neil's sons and therefore Nielsen's. And similarly, that's the way the descendants get named is, is by that. Um, they get named by the ancestors, not vice versa. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's another thing I think that helps us be able to clarify to people as we talk to them and stuff. And again, I think that part of our biggest problem is is that we don't have a lot of critical thinkers out there, and so they just normally just say what somebody else has said, and they don't spend enough time to really research and to take the time to be able to properly articulate something out. And I'm not sure that I'm any better or anything else, but it is at least something that I think I recognize that we have to do and amongst Israelites ourselves, we have to get better at it. Just like we're going to have to get better at this thing called Satan and the devil, we're going to have to get better at this seed line doctrine and understanding what it is or is not. And um, uh, and, and it's going to take work. And it's going to take work in a way that's not just you know going and grabbing a bunch of stuff and saying, okay, this is what this says, this is what this says, and that's what that says. If we're truly true to our Christian faith and to our God and to abide in his will and his desire, then we should be about the full truth and nothing but the truth and let the chips land where they, where they may. But who am I? But who am I? <laughs> I have no theological doctrine behind my name. I have none of those things. And so I'm imploring you guys to work with me and make me better. Nobody, has anything, to say. Nobody has anything to say to that. Thank you, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we tried. <laughs> All right. Well... I know it's 9.15, and, and uh, for you on the East Coast, Rich, uh, um, if, you, if you want to stay with us or you guys want to go a little longer, um, we can, or how would you like to, uh, what would you all like to do? Well, I, I think, think I got an early one in the morning, too. You got, a, you got an early one? All right. Yeah, we can and what'd you, say, what'd you say, Isaac? Uh, for me, I'm ready. I've got a. I think it'd be good to wrap up. I've got a few things to take care of. Okay, that sounds good. Well, we'll do that then. We'll just go ahead. Let's have some closing prayer. Rich, why don't you lead us? Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the abundant blessings you've given us, and for this last chance to save our country. It's all up to you, Lord, because we deserve the worst but you continually give us the best as a faithful father. We come against the evil in this world and the swamp creatures, the evil that wants to tear down this country and destroy our children, destroy your people. We bind them in the name of Jesus and bring them before the throne. Be a righteous indignation. Be unleashed upon them. We thank you for all your abundant blessings. And we thank you for this time we get to spend together. Glorify you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.
Okay. Good night, guys. We'll talk to you later. All right. Good night, Rich. Good night, Isaac. And JD, are you still there? JD? Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. I just was muted. Yeah, okay, good. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's definitely where the feedback was. Yeah, so uh, uh, what else did you guys uh, want to talk about if anybody still wanted to chat? Yeah, um, everybody was uh, kind of signing off on the East Coast and everything, so uh, it's uh, just me. I was trying to get you back on this. I think that feedback is coming, coming through your lines right now. I'm not sure. Well, I know some. Let me try something here. Let me see if it's these darn fans, the the sound of the fans. How's that? Is that uh, taking the feedback out? Well, that took the noise away for sure. I'm still getting a double double voice on my end. I'm hearing so it might be. Right, I can still hear, um, you know, pretty well, but. Uh, you know the um i uh the overall uh thing like uh, the fellow that gave the prayer there about saving our country i I think it's happened before, right when the people you know what's that scripture uh seek my face and you know I will hear them from heaven and heal their land I yeah. think it's still possible, you know the only problem is because of the diversity we have in America that everybody's been brainwashing and saying, yeah, diversity is our strength and all this. Well, I don't think so. You know, the more true Christians, uh, you know, or whatever you want to call them, because there's kind of a movement out there that a lot of people say, you know, Christianity is not the thing. Well, the thing that's being practiced is not Christianity. They're trying to call it like the Hebrew Israelite or the, you know, Israelite thing. Because people don't live as the Bible says, doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that the word uh, Christian is wrong, I don't think. I just think they're not, they're deceived. They're following their pastors that have been trained by institutions that go back to the cult of Rome. So people just don't know. They're just ignorant. And in most cases, they have too much pride to really uh, consider that they're in deep deception. So, you know, uh, yeah. that's the way I, I see it. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, that's the biggest problem. Like, uh, we kind of mentioned that, too. When you when you think about all the multiculturalism, uh, that that has destroyed what the nation was founded upon. And it was founded upon people with the profession of They came here and the ability and uh, we've spent the last uh, you know 200 years 225 years uh, you know being completely devoid um, I don't know if you've been listening to anything that I've archived but I've got that that I did and uh, 
I think you'd find that right along the lines of what you're saying is that we, we've got a lot of If we institution is going to save us now, or this Supreme Court nominee is going to somehow save us, uh, we're clearly discouraged. Well, no question about it. No question about it. Uh, <laughs> I could not agree more. Um, so many people follow all this stuff, all this stuff in the news cycle and the latest Trump thing or whatever. In my humble opinion, it's all total theater. I mean, Trump does some good things and so forth, and now I'm going to sound like I'm going to contradict myself, but I don't deny that God can work through anybody, but from what I've seen of Trump's background, his whole thing of, you know, who he's uh, connected with, you know, you don't do real estate and, and do bankruptcy the number of times he's done without having some really good Jew lawyers. And I'm not trying to just, you know, irritate anybody with the whole, you know, Jew thing, but it's so significant. Oh, my goodness. Wherever you see evil, look at the vaccination issue. The people behind that saw and say, but I think they were both Jews. Did you know that the two shooters at Columbine, the two young, you know, the, the boys that did it, they were Jews. And according to James Wickstrom, there was some pretty, uh, uh, you know, wealthy Jew families that helped them uh, pull that whole thing off with uh, supplies or whatever. But anyways, um, so, you know, it, it's it's really like you said, it's about us. It's about the body. Well, yeah, yeah, right. See, see, that's what I say. We can we can lament until we're blue in the face. These these bad actions and responsibility lies with us because he commissioned this blessing to the world. He commissioned us to be the right one to bring the into the righteousness of Christ. And yeah. that's, you know, so yeah, we can see what these evil actors are doing, and as long as we're going to keep allowing them to be a part of our culture, if you will, and our societies, if you will, then we're going to always have that curse following us. Well, there's no question, and that's, you know, okay, like you're saying, the responsibility is on us to live as we are supposed to live, and I totally agree with that. But then the people, the body of Christ has to be aware, has to become aware of this Jew issue, because I know all kinds of people that, you know, just friends, uh, uh, people I work with, uh, family, and all this. The brainwashing is extraordinary. You cannot even broach the subject of this Jew issue without having all kinds of... It's almost like the whole Nazi thing, World War II, and the, the death camps, and the, oh, they killed the Jews and all. You can't even hardly broach that subject because with most people, 
but but really, I guess we have to just reach out to the people that are kind of ready, that have already kind of moved along the path of awakening somewhat, because the others, the lower level people, they have to get the breadcrumbs first about you know nine eleven and you know some of this stuff and you know Al Qaeda is the Mujahideen from the seventies and so on and so forth to be able to consider some of these other things because they've just had it pounded into their heads that the Jews are the chosen people. Jesus was a Jew. Jesus was the King of the Jews. We have to be loyal to Israel. They don't understand Israel's never been a land. It's always been a bloodline. Jacob's 12 sons were the 12 patriarchs of the 12 tribes. And so they don't understand any of this. And so all you do is you you get them all angry and defensive and all that kind of thing. <laughs> you know? But uh, but I think well, for the people that are ready, I think it is important for people yeah, to realize who these Jews really are so they're able to i mean they're not we're not supposed to allow them to live among us and it's my understanding that back with the constitution they um they had some provisions in there that they were going to write in to not allow Jews into this nation because those people that there's nothing new under the sun and they've been doing this to nation after nation after nation forever any productive nation they go in and they rot them from the inside out and suck every all the energy and wealth out of it. <laughs> it's just amazing. And well, and of course they're the only group I know of that's ever been kicked out of one country, let alone kicked out of over seventy countries over a hundred times in the last thousand years. And for for people to come together to actually kick a group out like that, I think takes a ton, takes an immense amount. I mean, just to get people to come together to do anything is pretty difficult. So that's well, pretty significant. Yeah, yeah I, I agree, and that's the thing. That's why I said I think we can all benefit from, because we've, we've heard so many of the talking points, if you will, and I hate to use that phrase over, but, you know, we do we do kind of get the buzz, and, and so it would do us all good to just back up, you know, take the word as the first is introduced in our Bible, understand what it means, and be able to articulate that properly to other people. And say, well, wait a minute, you're using a term that you ought to understand the term, and let me see if I can help you. And I think that people are generally open to having some understanding when we can actually show them. But so much of our weapons has been... Man, there is so much feedback. Wait, you're lying. I, I, I'm talking to myself three or four times. I don't know what's causing the feedback over there, but it is just banging around everything over there. All right, that slowed down a little bit, but, you know, like I say, I think that we can all benefit from it, get away from the, you know, the buzzwords and stuff like that, and get it down to the bare nuts and bolts, what it actually is, why the word is applied at all, and make um, the proper attributions, and, and get it solidified in our own mind. And... You know, you mentioned that Second Chronicles seven fourteen again. It's like I've said before. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. It says, "If they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear their land." 
Then will my eyes be open, and my ears attention to the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. As for thee, if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked, and do according to all that I have commanded, and shall observe my statutes and my judgment, then will I establish the throne of thy kingdom according to thy covenant with David thy father. Our people just don't seem to get the application for any of this. And uh, that's what we have to be about. We have to be about the Father's promise. And if you're honest with yourselves in the scripture, you see that that's what Christ did. He told the Father's words. He claimed that he came in the name of the Father, came in the name of his command, came in the name of his prophecies. And to share that information with people and to bring them back unto him. And uh, it's a, you know, we get But there's a whole lot of people that have been deceived by the deceivers. Big time. Big time. People are just people are just too much um, of this world instead of just in it. Most people, I think, don't even think on the level that we're speaking right now about the deception and you know the great deceiver of this world, the prince of this world. They don't really uh, they don't really think of it, uh, and and even if they do, they think of it as more of a metaphor rather than like a real thing. You know what I'm saying? They think of it as, like, symbolic. Like, people just, you know, people are greedy and, you know, people are corrupt, you know, for money or power. They don't think that there's, like, entities behind it. You know what I'm saying? That that influence people. There are entities, and the entities are called spirits. And they, and they, and this even allows them to operate. Uh huh. What did you say? The entities are called what? I said the entities are called spirits of wickedness. Yes. Yes, spirits of wickedness. Like, but they're spirits, right? You're saying that they're actual, like, spiritual entities. Well, I don't think I'm talking about it in the way that I think you might be trying to uh, trying to attribute it to. Because, look, God tried to show all the way back guards of the Yep. He says, "Look, if you do good, will you not find favor with me?" That's a paraphrase. Yeah. So he's trying to share that this spirit of wickedness is lying at the door. You're going to allow this wickedness to enter into you and to manifest through you. There's no good that's going to come up. In the end, you might think that there's good that's going to come up killing your brother. Uh huh. You're gonna. 
And that's what he showed us from the very beginning. And I know there's a lot of this whole seed line doctrine and everything. They, they, you know, they're smart enough not to claim this thing. They're smart enough not to claim that thing. Yet, you got the non-seed doctors who simply compare the same things that the seed lines do with a different twist. And they're basically closet seeds. And I have the same question I have for them every time. Why would God try to reason with this spiritual, um, incarnated, uh, um, evil seed of Cain that left with a serpent in the garden? They can't well, I mean, the way I see it is it's kind of like God created, uh, you know, the serpent, and he's there to do what he is supposed to do if if we don't do what we're supposed to do. You see, it's like okay. a curse or, a, okay. you know, something okay. that's, a, that's going to be very bad for us if we don't do what we're supposed to do and be vigilant in, uh, in uh, you know, his, uh, his uh, commands to us of how to live okay. and, and All right. so Hold far. On. Hold on. Hold on. All right. Hold on. So then you agree that it's possible that God created that for the very purpose that you just expressed. Say that again. I said so essentially then you are acknowledging or agreeing that that God created Hello? Yeah, hang on, Sophie. Hello? Sophie, can you hear me? Hang on a second, honey. I'm I'm on the other line, sweetie. Oh. Yeah, hang on a second, Doug. Yeah, can you hear me, sweetie? I can you hear me, sweetie? <laughs> All right, I I muted him out. So, uh, Jeremiah, if you want to go ahead and shut down, you can. All right. I'm going to go ahead and shut off the recording. Okay. All right. <clears throat>